The Space Case Sarah Show with space nerds Kobe and Benjamin. Who is Space Case Sarah? Spunky, edgy, smart, funny, and a rebel feminist. Now, witness it yourself on iRock Space Radio. Hello, space enthusiasts, and welcome to another episode of the Space Case Sarah Show with my space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on iRock Space Radio. We are here with the sodium episode. It's very salty. Mm-hmm. Both. <laughs> no, just kidding. Both is salt. I had we- a really good sodium joke, but nah, you wouldn't get it. Uh... And that is a very Mitch Hedberg esque kind of kind of joke. We were just uh, talking about some of our favorite comedians, and we all agreed that Mitch Hedberg is of legendary status. And we were rattling off some of our favorite dry one liners of Mitch Hedberg. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have Mitch Hedberg joke sections added into the show. I don't know. Oh, that'd be um, great. But yeah, we're we're the sodium episode, and what we're going to do with this episode, I don't know why, I just thought sodium sci-fi. And we had a question in our live stream that is the episode that aired recently uh, from Benjamin's sister, and she asked us which sci-fi movie we found most scientifically accurate. And so we decided we would explore this concept further, but look at like documentaries and science fiction TV and film and what ones are also like completely not (laughs) accurate. If I'm not mistaken is the order that we wanted to go in. The good, the bad and the quirky. The good, the bad and the, um, and before we get into this, I, someone told me that there's always a, like an expert on set. And I have a hard time believing that for movies that are so, so bad, but there really are, there's always an expert on set for something that's even like completely out there. I don't know. I I have to do some research on this, but that's what I was told. I I have a hard time believing it, but apparently there are people who are maybe making a very fine living off of being experts on totally BS movies. I I had no idea. (laughs) Sodium. Sir, fun fact science, what do you have for us? Sodium. For element so, of the day. So, element of the day. Element honestly, of the day. I think, I think there's so much that's really cool about sodium. And, like, honestly, it's one of these metals that when you see it as a metal form, it's just totally disconnected from what you're used to seeing. When you think of sodium, you think of salt, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, sodium in its metal form doesn't actually like in a free metal form doesn't actually occur naturally on earth. So we have to prepare it. Um, And when we actually get it in its metal form, it's super reactive. So you expose it to oxygen. We'll just go just like very, very reactive. But um, honestly, I think one of the coolest things about sodium is the way that it's just super important for our bodies to function. Um, So in terms of like regulating our blood, blood pressure um, and just like, how we need it to function on a daily basis. Um, that to me is just my fun fact. And I think it's super interesting about sodium. I did not know <clears throat> that we had to produce it in such a manner, but it's mm-hmm. so important to us. And that seems almost evolutionarily confusing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and when you get it, you have to keep it in oil or something because if it comes into contact with water, it explodes. 
pure so pure sodium which pure sodium luckily, yeah as yeah not said, not your table not nacl yes no, <laughs> no that salt, that's salt. the boring stuff um <laughs> and actually um you're wearing a shirt benjamin that my son has as well which is also sort of a cheesy one-liner kind of thing that says never trust an atom they make up everything my son mm-hmm. has that shirt too and he goes around and he'll he'll like say that to everyone he's like look at my shirt never trust an atom it makes up everything <laughs> awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah you gotta start him young what do you have benjamin for our uh, uh, science actually actually science uh, this is our sodium episode, so if all goes according to plan, it should be airing October 22nd. <laughs> and so happy October 22nd astronaut birthday to Donald Peterson, who flew on the very first flight of Space Shuttle Challenger. And happy scientist birthday to Clinton Davison, the American physicist who shared the Nobel Prize for Physics in 1937. For discovering that electrons behave both as waves and as particles. Mm, Those favorite. are the birthdays we got today. I love that. Happy birthday. <clears throat> Happy birthday. birthday. Speaking uh, of Nobel, the Nobel Prize in physics was actually yes. just announced. I'm not sure if you guys mm-hmm. got a chance to see that. I did. Very, um, very excited. That, I, I think there's a couple that have been announced now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely they, saw they do chemistry. Genetics for decoding the genes of a Neanderthal. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. It was decoding. Yeah, it was figuring out mm-hmm. the genetic, the G, uh, yeah, code of the genome. Sorry, the genome. Yeah, Neanderthals and some quantum metaphysics <laughs> nerd. Guy. Some quantum <laughs> nerdy crap Something. that none of us understand, but. Nah, nobody understands quantum <laughs> stuff. And man, that's about it. A, f- a friend of mine uh, who's a quantum physicist uh, wrote a book recently. That the title pretty much sums it up, and the title is "Quantum Bullshit." So <laughs> let's let's just go with that. Oh, my friend is a quantum physicist. <laughs> well, my friend is a string theorist. Things that your quantum physicist friend's a jerk. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my opinions on the string theory to myself then <laughs> oh i don't actually oh. have a string theory friend <laughs> i just wanted to be, sound want... like i'm important <laughs> I know my friend too. the astrophysicist it's like mean girls where she's like my dad the inventor of toaster strudel <laughs> <laughs> that's you right now my friend the astrophysicist I, I, like uh, what am I meant to do? Like ninety ninety percent of my friends are physicists. <laughs> yeah, we are we are a group of of nerds here in our own sort of respective circles. But when it comes to like really academia nerdiness, Kavi wins in totally. this circle a hundred percent. We have, you know, as always, our little spiel of where you can find us on our social medias. I actually changed my name on Instagram because I was like, you know, the 22, I feel like I know I changed it. So I I did space underscore skate case underscore Sarah, like so space case Sarah. So if you just space case Sarah, it will come up. Um, so really it's space case Sarah. So then I didn't have to keep throwing out the 22 because that's the only platform that I had a 22 attached on there because someone out there is also space case Sarah on Instagram. So that name wasn't available. That's why I put the 22 on there, but now I did the underscore so I could drop the 22. So anyway, I'm space case Sarah on all the platforms and 
I have a professional profile on Facebook now, so you can I know. So you can find me either as Space K Sarah on Facebook, or you can just find me as Sarah Treadwell and lickety, 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 whatever you want to do. Over Please like Facebook. the page. Do not attempt to lick the device that you're doing. I mean, page you on. are welcome to. It's your own device. Do as you will with it, but uh, don't. I'm Space K Sarah everywhere, and you can go to irock irockspaceradio.com and get free T-shirt, Crew Club. Now this is really awkward. It didn't go to poop; it went to lick this time. This, this episode started out weird. <laughs> okay, Kavi, <laughs> throw out your handles. <laughs> you can find me at Fun Fact Science uh, on all of the good <laughs> platforms, on all of the good places on the interwebs where people like to spend their time. A Benjamin, friendly reminder, we're on the radio, so all your yeah. facial expressions are coming over to us, but no yeah, one else out there sees us. I have a face for radio. <laughs> uh, you can find me in all the social network things uh, under science, actually, or actually science. And you can look the screen when you look at my stuff. Uh, tell me if it makes your screen taste like grape. Like grape. 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 Okay. I want people this- licking screens. That's it. That's what I want. It's great okay. flavor. <laughs> Let me know if it tastes like cherry. I have to adjust it. Scratch and sniff phones. This is my new invention. Or, li- or scratch and lick phones. L- scratch and lick phones. Oh, yeah. Phones. No, no. Lick. Gotta lick them. Sarah started it. I'm bringing scratch it. And lick. This is a good segue to science fiction. Um, Let's do it. I actually, I actually randomly had a conversation with someone in the grocery store. First of all, have you guys ever been stopped by people? And I've been um, in the grocery store. They- Oh, great. I'm glad to hear that. First of all, that, that they, they will, they, they believe in some kind of conspiracy theory esque kind of things. Like if you bring up like, Oh, I do stuff in space, space industry stuff. And then they're like, Oh, well, did you know? Blah, blah, blah. And so this guy starts going into this whole thing about like, um, uh, that the sun has shifted dramatically in where it rises in relation to one of our streets and something like that. And I was like, well, um, and It'd be doing like, no, that. No, no, it's even even more than the axis. But anyway, but he was like, he's like, you know what's pretty cool though? It's like a lot of the things in science fiction movies are like things that are like that are like real now. And I said, Yeah, I you know, I actually agree with that because think of your cell phone that you can lick, um, and how Star Trek pretty much kind of predicted those with their communicators that they would flip open. I mean, we don't have those flip phones anymore, but for yeah, a little while. For a little while, there was definitely a time where it was almost the same, and it was very Star Trek-y esque. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I actually was thinking about kind of in the same like, like I think a lot about my children and how if they watch those old episodes of Star Trek now, they'd be like, okay, you know, like to like that wouldn't strike them as like, whoa technology because they've always had cell phones and me talking on speakerphone like this or you know holding it from my mouth um and uh holding it from my god you guys i give up i give up okay so <laughs> i give up <laughs> like, well speaking of speaking of sci-fi uh, today's <laughs> episode will be speaking about uh, sci-fi um <laughs> and not just about licking devices yes we will we're gonna talk about sci-fi and uh and some of the shows that have 
strongly, I guess, influenced us. And I guess we should start with that. Benjamin, you listed in the in the thread of discussing what we were going to talk about in this episode, you listed the Voyager furthest from space documentary, which is one, one of the most impactful documentaries on my life because I really didn't know much about the Voyager missions until I watched that. And it like sincere, I sincerely cried realizing that I was alive at the end of those missions. And I had no idea that those crafts existed. Those are great. It was a great yeah. documentary. Um, I couldn't recommend it high, uh, more highly. It's available for free. Uh, if you go to PBS's website and, oh, really? uh, for those of those of you who haven't seen it, um, it is a beautiful documentary in which they interview the people who planned the Voyager missions, the people who built the Voyager, uh, some of the shortcuts they took to get Voyager built on time, uh, to some of the, uh, what they thought were near disaster events of the mission that they, they thought they were going to lose one Voyager during a launch. They thought they were going to lose another Voyager, uh, that might've, uh, crashed into a, a part of Saturn's rings at one point, all these little hiccups that happened. And, uh, and one of the funniest parts about it is these, the magnitude of this mission and the science behind it and all the information we learned was completely second stage to a simple golden record on the side <laughs> that all the scientists yep. who worked so hard were so jealous of this stupid gold record on the side right. <laughs> of the craft, which had so much importance, but they were the ones who worked so hard. <laughs> They're right. the ones who planned all these cameras and sensors and antennas and a power source. <laughs> and all of it didn't matter in the news because there was beautiful message right. in the bottle being sent out. It was a beautiful documentary and I highly it is recommend great. everyone watch yes. it right now. Right now. Right now. Go. Right now. Right now. <laughs> Right now. Well, I'm going to actually, we'll, we'll go to our first break and we'll talk just a little bit more about what, what TV shows we like, where the science was done right, was fairly represented. And then we're going to go, we're going to go where it goes wrong after that. So we'll go to our break. Please lick your screen while you're waiting. Um, uh, <laughs> and great. let us know if it tastes like cherry or Grape. What was the other grape? Grape was it? Grape? Cherry grape. and grape. Okay, grape. let if us it know. Like grape, it's good. If it's okay. like cherries. We got a problem. Mm. <laughs> What's the science behind that? <laughs> what a good podcast to end. Ask that on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Uh, you, <laughs> I feel so awkward in this one. You are listening to the Space Case Sarah Show <laughs> with my space nerds. I think we're all space nerds. Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. What do you call thongs? <laughs> oh, right when the recording starts. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who missed out, we're talking about flip-flops. And Kavi said, in Australia, we call them thongs. Then, as recording began, I asked, well, what do you call thongs? And this now you're up to speed. Cut. This is all kitty cut. It's fine. No, it better not. <laughs> okay. No, I want our audience to watch our show slowly Sarah devolve show. over episodes. <laughs> Welcome back to the Space Case Sarah Show. Pull it together. 
Welcome back to the Space Case Era Show with my space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on iRock Space Radio. Uh, we actually were talking before you jumped on with us, Benjamin, the different ways we refer to soda versus uh, seltzer versus pop versus cola in different parts of the world. And I was telling him how it's very common, uh, you know, in the United States where all our regions have very firm beliefs in what it should be called. In my my realm, it's kind of a 50-50 like pop soda but uh, my unique claim to fame is that uh, I'm not my unique claim to fame, but I grew up in Milwaukee area or yeah, I grew up in the Milwaukee. It's very area unique. In Milwaukee. Very unique. And we're no one's ever done that. Pretty much the only pocket of the entire United States that refers to drinking fountains as bubblers. So everyone Aww. in that area calls drinking fountains bubblers. And then as soon as you leave, everyone's like, what are you talking about? And, <laughs> I, I remember know. when I was younger, people could ask just for a cola. I'll have yes. a cola yeah, and cola, whatever they had, Coca-Cola or Pepsi, they'll just give it to you. And there was no problem. Now there's the whole, you have to be specific. I mean, if you serve me Pepsi, that's a problem. <laughs> yes, it's a, uh, a huge problem. Yes, obviously. All right. Sci-fi. Speaking of sci-fi. accuracy and what we find accurate and what we don't find. We were just talking about the Voyager Golden Records. Uh, it's called Farthest. Uh, it's a documentary on the Voyagers that we all really enjoy and appreciate. Obviously, we brought up Cosmos in our pre-chats about shows that we really enjoy and we believe that got the science super duper right. Are there really, I guess I'm thinking about it, any shows that don't get the science right? Because There's I can't. Any at... shows that get the science right. A lot of the shows on the History Channel uh, <laughs> aren't historical and aren't scientific. aliens. Yeah, that guy. I got <laughs> one guy ruined the credibility of a network. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not really space related, but I love the um um. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The nature documentaries. Oh, so David. Oh, David. Atten- Atten- I'm sorry, David. Atten- yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. like his shows are amazing too. Mesmerizing, and the science yeah. there is just chef's kiss. Wow. Yes. And like all the blue ocean, blue planet, blue world, those, those mm-hmm. ones, they're great. Uh, Disney nature sh- videos are phenomenal. I don't know if you've ever watched any of those, but they're on the Disney channel. Like it's geared mm-hmm. more towards kids, but they always have a, <clears throat> like a famous actor do the narration for it. So I'm thinking of the one with the dolphins when a dolphin named Echo and Natalie Portman doc, uh, is the voiceover for that one. The dolphin <laughs> named Echo, of course it is. His name is Echo. <laughs> no, but it's perfect because they use echolocation. I know. So oh, that was a that, joke. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that, I think I think that was intentional. Um, <laughs> but, um, and I really liked, uh, in the second season of Cosmos, they covered really a very wide range of, well, both of them do, I guess, not space topics, but like it does such a great job of interweaving how all these things that we have on Earth also connect into space. And so they have those moments, though, where you really dip into a different world that's completely unrelated to space. And so in the new season, for example, there's one that's completely on bees and I keep honeybees. And so I think that 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 was one of my really favorite episodes. Yes. Yes, we we had a bit of a bee debacle today um, <laughs> in my world, not the bees. And uh, the 
the, that that's what I think is so cool about that is that you're not just getting education about the cosmos, even though it is about the cosmos, you're getting a solid education in like photosynthesis and uh, mm. just lots of different things. So I, do, I don't feel like there's a lot of shows that aren't made yeah, other than like kind of like ancient aliens or I guess those like cryptozoology kind of ones. Those are a little hokey. What's, you know what I'm talking about? What like, is cryptozoology? Is this like, like a new form of currency where people barter and trade in animals? Is it that, isn't that what it's called? Cryptozoology? I've well, never heard of this. I'm uh, sorry. Crypto. While Sarah's looking yeah. that up, I just wanted so to like... So cryptozoology oh. is a pseudoscience and subculture that searches for and studies unknown, legendary, or extinct animals. So think like Bigfoot. Minotaur. Pokemon? And oh, okay. Yeah. Pokemon are real. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I also, legend in my area, there was supposedly a beast that lived on Bray Road. So if you Google Beast of Bray Road, you will find my hometown. And Was it the, the Chupacabra? Uh, nope, it's the East of Bray Road. It was a it was a sighting that someone saw in the '90s, and so a bunch of those shows went to my town and did different documentary things on that. So, I guess we do have some not very scientifically accurate TV shows out there. I mean, Beast of since Bray we're Road, leaning, though, that was real. <laughs> since we're leaning a bit more back towards the fiction direction uh, of science fiction, I just wanted to say, like with um, Star Trek. It's one of the things that, like, it's crazy how I grew up and I was obsessed with Star Wars and Star Trek to me was kind of, eh. And as an adult, I've realized that I feel the opposite way because Star Wars is more, like, fantasy rather Mm -hmm. than trying to be scientifically accurate in any sort of way. Whereas Star Trek, or at least, like, the, you know, the older versions, maybe the recent stuff, not so much because, you know, they throw in terms like magic time crystals or blah, blah, blah. But... The older Star Trek, yeah, the oldest Star Trek was really trying to do something that was at least science adjacent. And like you were saying mm-hmm. before, Sarah, how a lot of the technology, like the flip phone, the flip phones, uh, um, mm-hmm. that became a reality. Sliding doors became mm-hmm. a reality. And so I love how it's kind of like Star Trek managed to predict the future in a, in a sort of way um and all the yeah. episodes, like really interesting things you never think about like what if i think there was an episode where they had um a creature that was made out of crystals in deep space like mm-hmm. sure like yeah. right yeah, why, yeah. why not <laughs> what would that yeah. look like yeah that and that reminds me i meant i i think i've mentioned it on the show before and um there's a youtube series i guess we're really kind of going all over the place with <laughs> with this episode of it's called the, like the history of, of life or no, the, the museum of life. And it bases, mm-hmm. it, it bases off of evolutionary theory. Like if there was life on that planet, that far from a star, what might that look like based on kind of like the evolutionary hits that we see on earth. And it's really awesome. Um, and I guess that's, yeah, a good kind of middle ground from it's not, it, it's not science, right? It's definitely pseudoscience. It's not real, but it is, I think science adjacent is a really good way mm-hmm. of phrasing that. It's definitely being conscientious of science principles and the the laws of physics and mm-hmm. in that in that documentary, the like the evolutionary traits that we tend to see um, and using those in consideration for their predictions and their fiction. But it's kind of a cool halfway ground. It's not it's not going in and researching for Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster, but it's it's a little different. So that is like an interesting sub 
category of mm. kind of sci-fi-ish stuff, <laughs> right? Which then, um, so Star Wars, I agree, is very, very okay with the idea that they are completely fictional. So I wouldn't say yeah. we can really include it in our list of um, who bogs the science so terribly <laughs> but let's go there let's uh let's talk about lisa in our live stream was like what movies do you find the most scientifically accurate and which speaking ones... of accuracy yes. her name is adina adina well sorry my wife's I'm name is lisa back... <laughs> oh take me apart lisa sorry adina start adina the whole episode over <laughs> no. dang it we're done lick your screens we're starting over. Uh, Adina, sorry. I am so sorry. She asked what we thought was accurate and which ones weren't. And I feel that movies, that's where we get really hairy with the accuracy right. compared to the TV shows. So I'm going to let you guys kind of offer up your like most and least. What would you say is Gosh. the most accurate and what's the least accurate? And you kind of touched on that in the live stream, but most accurate and least accurate. My goodness. I feel, I feel uh, like, go on. Oh, sorry. Just, just like speaking of Harry, I feel like we have to talk about the black hole in interstellar. Right. Okay. Like there's this whole no hair theorem <clears throat> um, that uh, physicists will use. And they're talking about black holes and say, you know, black holes have these three basic characteristics. They have spin, they have mass and they have charge. That's it. And there's this idea that the way that it warps space, I don't want to get too deep into general relativity, but what I, what I do want to say is that the way that the black hole was depicted in Interstellar was so accurate that it passed the point where Christopher Nolan basically said, we have to, we have to dial it back a bit because people aren't going to know that this is a black hole. It will kind of like surpass the expectations and then not be relatable as a black hole. And so um, the black hole that they used wow. in Interstellar was actually created with a simulation by an astrophysics professor at Caltech, uh, Professor Kip Thorne. And mm -hmm. there were a couple of papers that were written uh, on the simulation that they used. So Interstellar, like in general, there are some points that are maybe a little bit kind of off the, the beaten path of science, but the black hole itself, they got the science pretty dang accurately. That's really interesting. It makes me think of <clears throat> not a science movie, but when they were making, when Pixar was making movies like Finding Nemo and they used computers to uh, basically create some of the ocean, like the waves and the ocean environment on their own and they used things like fractals and, and, you know, like computery stuff, it looked too real. And they had to ask the artists to basically like scale it back and make it look more cartoonish because it looked, the computers did such a good job to make it look mm. so incredibly realistic that they had to ask them to like, not like the waves were too, too real. So that's, that's super fascinating. And also a very interesting commentary on kind of our culture <laughs> because it's like that's too real dang it i don't approve of that <laughs> that i can't my brain cannot handle the fact that i cannot differentiate the fact that that is not real versus real so i think that's kind of a, an interesting 
it's maybe roots into our fear also of like AI and and mm. deep fakes and how the mm. robots are going to take over and the I, uncanny I think it, valley. Yes. Um, so that was your like accurate. Benjamin, do you have an accurate? I think you said Space Odyssey 2001, the last I time did. we brought this up. Is there I another could one? Go that... back there. Yeah. Um, I was going to say uh, Contact was oh. a very good one. Uh, obviously, not scientifically accurate as a retelling of things that have happened. But uh, when Carl Sagan wrote Contact, um, he imagined what an alien species would be that tried to contact us. But what he refused to bend on was any use of communication outside of what is technically and physically possible. And he made sure he always obeyed the science. Um, And so the very beginning of the uh, movie, it starts with a television broadcast and we slowly pan away from earth and get further and further away from earth. And as you listen, you're starting to hear older and older and older and older broadcasts. And now we're passing a star, passing another star. And we're hearing, you know, something of radio shows from the twenties say. Mm -hmm. And so that's how far back it goes. And it's trying, and it was a very beautiful depiction of, I guess, our bubble that we've created of communication that we're sitting in the middle of. And, um, also the communication that we got from the aliens. It was bursts of uh, noise that we picked up. One burst, then two, then three, then five, then seven. A series of bursts, each a, num- a prime number's worth mm-hmm. of information. And then inside there, there was decoded messages. And inside that, there's deeper messages. And these are all things that are very, very possible. And as we kind of discussed in a previous episode about the Arecibo message, how we sent a message and inside that there was more information inside that there was more information. This is something that we've actually done. And so it's very possible that something another species could send to us. It was very, very beautiful. And I enjoyed it. Delightfully nerdy. I suggest everyone watch it. I haven't seen it in quite some time, but it is um, definitely a very interesting like blip in the legacy of Carl Sagan because it's the only fiction thing that he wrote and made and he did it with Anne and so it's uh it's a great movie I agree I just think I I love I love the hidden meanings and things and stuff like that too so it's just like it's, it's just delightfully nerdy we have to take a break we're saving I guess the the roast the best for last year we're going to talk about where it goes wrong because I think that we could fill an entire show with just where it goes wrong <laughs> so we will take a quick break again lick those phones and we'll be back as soon as you're done licking you have been listening to the Jeez, space case show with the space nerds Kavi and benjamin here on iraq space radio Welcome back to the Space K Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin. We here are very, very professional. We take ourselves very seriously. We are working science communication professionals that are of the highest integrity and order. And, and we would never suggest you to list yeah, to lick your phone or talk about how the astronauts disposed of their fecal matter on the moon. We're talking today about what we find to be the most accurate and the most scientifically inaccurate sci-fi movies, films, T 
TV shows, and uh, we have now got to the point where we're gonna we're gonna roast some some science fiction. I'm gonna start with Planet of the Apes. No, <laughs> but, <laughs> it, it involves space and evolution. Um, <laughs> um, I think we should just I'll just toss it out really quick. Moonfall, obviously. Absolute focusy nonsense. Not gonna watch it. No, 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 yeah, I haven't (laughs) seen it either. So we we've all heard such terrible things about it. Moonfall is off the list. We're not gonna talk about it. Uh, But I I am interested to hear: is there a movie though that you would you can think of that people were like, oh my gosh, and then there's a part of you that's dying inside because you're like, no, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. You know that like is there some an example you can think of that everybody loved and inside you're like. Uh, but but I feel like gravity yes. was kind of like that. There were yeah. like uh, there were there were a lot of things in gravity that just like didn't work in terms of I, like I don't, I don't like to be this sort of nitpicky person because there are a lot of things that they did really well, but there are a lot of things that didn't quite work about like the way that the astronauts were interacting in deep space. Um like George Clooney's character and Sandra Bullock's character, um, just the orbits, like the the fact the fact that <laughs> he's the, the, he's like sweating a little bit right now. He's <sighs> like they show they show like the um, what was it the the Tiang the Tiang Gong the the the, the, uh-huh. the Chinese space, space station and uh, mm-hmm. the International Space Station and the Hubble Space Telescope are somehow like like a hop literally a hop skip and a jump away from each other. <laughs> no like they're like not only at different altitudes relative to the earth but also their orbital paths are totally like no <laughs> like imagine if just like i'm just gonna hop over to you know mars right <laughs> this is the equivalent of like a car person watching you know a car go like up a ramp and it's like and it lands on all fours and it doesn't blow up and stuff like that and the person's like but that's not it wouldn't work that way that's not how it works there's something like that like that's not it's not how it works um how about you benjamin is there one that like you know people loved but you're inside going no no <sighs> armageddon ah. everybody loves armageddon Don't i enjoyed watching armageddon it was a fun movie it is a hundred percent wrong. Everything's wrong. <laughs> Nothing is correct. Uh, <laughs> it's it's wrong, and then you add the James Cameron like cinematography oh. style, and yeah, Michael Bay. Oh, is it Michael Bay? Matter. Yes, I'm sorry. It's Michael Bay. You're right. Doesn't yeah, matter. Transformers. But the point yeah. is just just oh my goodness, golly! It was just there's some funny bits to it, and there's some good action to it, and I get it's it's great it's fun but uh no 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 <laughs> it just doesn't do it for you we, huh? I, everything from uh we suddenly have two super space shuttles with skis ready to mm. go mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. no uh <laughs> we, we suddenly have uh we have two weeks before this thing hits which is such enough time i mean like an abundance of time Mm-hmm. To build a, a tank that drives around on an asteroid, and to build these weird jetpacks that aim you up yet keep you down, and <laughs> and uh, I could just go on and on and on. It's, 
it's a fun movie. It's a great movie. I saw it on a date. I had a good day. But it was, <laughs> it was <But> just. <laughs> were you dying inside even I at was that time? Dying inside. It was. It, it was funny. I was so happy to see Steve Buscemi. I loved him. But oh he's yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's was, great. He's great. It just didn't work for me. Just a just general a lot, thing. A lot of bad science. I feel like there are two. There are two general things that always bug me about uh, sci-fi, like in space. One, I feel like y'all both know about, which is the explosion thing and the sounds, right? Um, which they mm-hmm. always have these. Mostly, there are some movies recently that have dialed this back a bit, and we're like, oh no, we have to be aware of our nitpicky audience so we should have silent explosions but the other thing that i feel like is never addressed is the fact that when two space vessels approach each other they're always facing like the same way like what why isn't one upside down in the same yeah. plane yeah. exactly right. exactly it makes right. no sense there's, there's no reason for that nope. like there's no right. up and We're down in space. anymore yeah apart from aligning <laughs> an airlock to dock there's yeah. no reason they should point in the same direction. <laughs> Speaking of uh, technicalities and things, too, that I learned from someone off of social media, um, in any science fiction movie where they're wearing a helmet, they have to put lights inside the helmet to illuminate the actor's face so that yes. you, the audience, can see them. But really, it blinds them, and it would blind an astronaut, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, think of a light shining directly mm-hmm. in your face. But once you learn that fact, you can't unsee it. Then every single time you're watching a show and they have helmets on, you're like, yep, I see the lights. I see them lighting up their face. It's not really a thing that you would actually do. I have to I have to give props. I have to give props to um, For All Mankind um which mm. is yeah a show on, on apple tv um and i know so a uh, former nasa astronaut uh garrett reisman does all of the consulting mm. the science consulting for the show and apart from things that are a bit of a stretch um i don't want to give any spoilers but apart from things that like a maybe possible but they're still you know scientific everything that they do is spot on um garrett has made sure of that and so like whether it's like the the lighting of the astronauts faces or the way that things move in the um you know the lower gravity of the moon really like props to 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 garrett and to the entire for all mankind team because they're they're getting it done they did they did it right um one movie that i keep thinking of that didn't not did not get it right not at all uh that's just terrible and i had to actually look it up because it i have it was it's been a while was it the europa report i don't know if either of you saw it it was a kind of a random movie um and it's about a crewed mission that goes to europa and they find some alien life but in the beginning scenes as they're going to launch to europa europa people they show real clips of like a resupply rocket going to the ISS. You know, like it's it's not a vehicle designed to take anyone on board. It is like a small little rocket. I don't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but you know, it's very small. And I like my poor boyfriend, this is like when we were first dating too. And I'm sitting there like that, that could never get to Europa. That never could, that could, that does not have enough fuel. There's really no crew the cabin on there. And he's sitting there. He's like, can you just like watch, 
the movie. And I'm like, there's just no way that that would ever be a rocket that would go to Europa. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's another level that you get to as a space nerd. If you're like standing there, like you, like you pause the movie and you hold up a ruler to the screen <laughs> and you pull out a timer. It's like, hold on. No. The distance traveled in this time means that their Delta V is actually not fast enough to escape Earth gravity. <laughs> so their velocity will not get them out of the solar system. <laughs> But there's just no way. There's just no way. And they're like, Sarah, they're going to Europa and they're finding aliens. You just got to let it go. And I'm like, but why? But they're using real video. They're using real footage. And that just bothered me. It just really bothered me. It still does. Um, it still does. I'm sorry. <laughs> Netflix had a, a small miniseries called Away. I don't know if you mm. guys saw that one. I did hear I about it. I don't know if I did. It is, uh, what's her name is in it? A lot of people are in it. They're all in it. Hillary Swank is in there. She's the commander of this mission. Oh, maybe I do remember hearing about it. But it's, anyway, it's, a, it's an excellent premise. Uh, okay, <laughs> a, a, a crewed mission is going on some flight to Jupiter, say whatever. And uh-huh. as with any space mission, they have X number of people on there, and they prepare the air and the water and the materials that X number of people would need. And they take off, and everything's great. They're on their way. Everything's great, and they found quite by accident uh one of the technicians that was preparing the ship was accidentally on the flight with them there was an accident he got knocked out and so now they had to find a way to make do with x number of people and y amount of materials and supplies it was actually a very interesting premise someone broke their arm and they 3d printed a cast on board interesting Mm. technologies there very nice they have uh, some sort of a, a place where they're trying to create oxygen by growing plants in space. Very interesting science there. But the whole show was terrible because <laughs> um, all of a sudden, for no reason, things broke and there's magically another part of the ship connected by mm. the tether somewhere away that has more air and more food. Like, why okay. would that be over there where there's nobody to get to it and somebody has to do some radical EVA they've never planned to go get the food and the water that they brought with them. It should be where the people are. I was furious at that. And my sister, speaking of my sister, who she loved the show. (laughs) So listen to this, Dink. That show sucked. (laughs) That show is terrible. I hate that show. It's garbage. Netflix should get kicked in the balls for that show. <laughs> they, should, they, should, they should get kicked in the balls for many of their shows. Tell us how you uh, really feel. You know, feel. You're, <laughs> you well, know you're reminding I me of. that it didn't meet my expectations. Science could have been better recently. You're reminding me of that commercial. Do you remember where the old lady is with her like little old lady friends? And she's got all these pictures taped to her wall. And she's like, this is my wall. These are all my pictures on my wall. And other ladies like, that's not how, that's not how this works. That's not how it works. She's talking about like her Facebook wall. That's what what she just reminded me of. Like, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not how it works. There's there's one movie. There's there's one movie that it does mostly everything pretty damn well, but its entire premise, like the way that it starts and also I guess the way that it finishes is just wrong like not how it works and that would be the martian 
I have to say. Like, I have that uh, listed right here. Ah, oh. okay. So you know what I'm gonna say, it's right? It's one of my favorites, though. <laughs> it's a great it. one. It's a potato argument. Here he comes. Oh no, no. So the potato argument is a whole. We already covered whole the potato. Thing. Yeah, we covered yeah. the potato. Yeah. But this. Okay, the, the, the premise of the movie for people who have been living under a Martian rock for the last decade is that... This is how we're going to end this. Is that, okay, you go. Um, you do it. Is that an astronaut gets stranded on Mars during a dust storm because the dust storm becomes so violent that his crew has to escape and he mm-hmm. gets trapped and hit by a giant piece of whatever it was, an antenna. Knocks him out. Do you need a soapbox, by the way? Do we need to find one for you? So, okay. so what happens? <laughs> oh, this this is a rotating chair. That was a bad idea. Uh, um, and so, the issue with that is that there are indeed dust storms on Mars. The problem is, is that the Martian atmosphere is like less than a percent as dense as the atmosphere on Earth, and so in order to like get something floating in the air like that you would see on earth like the wind would have to be like several times more fast than is possible in that environment it basically there isn't enough density in the atmosphere to be able to pick up something as heavy as an antenna um to like strand him there and so it just it's like they, they put so much time into the movie and yet and yet <laughs> <laughs> that initial <laughs> Benjamin's holding up his phone with this exact point. Yes. That and the, and the fact that he does this whole Iron Man thing at the end, which I'll try not to spoil it, but he's like basically like letting air escape from his suit and like flying around like Iron Man in a way that no human being. I'll try control. not to spoil it by spoiling it completely. <laughs> I, will, I, I won't describe the situation in which that happens. But yeah, the Martian, they did a great job. Uh, Someone out there hopes you fell off your swivel chair. <laughs> I almost did. <laughs> it was a close one. Oh my gosh. I just, um, can I just say that the fact that you just kept plowing through that soapbox moment after almost falling out of your swivel chair, I'm kind of stuck on that moment right now. That was an excellent balance. That was though you, you, uh, I think if Netflix deserved a kick in the balls, this was like the kick to probably one of the biggest sci-fi movie fandom you know like a kick to i don't know everybody loves the martian everybody loves the martian so i think that that was a uh bold way to end the show sir because we're at our time i did see your your comments your other comments we need like we need to add uh uh like a blog of like benjamin's notes from this episode and just like <laughs> like just include all of those as he takes all these little notes and sometimes we get to them and sometimes we don't but gentlemen thank you again for another sodium licious episode mm, another salty. fantastic lickable kick it in the balls episode of the space case sarah show we have way too much fun on this show. I think this is one of those ones that someone might complain I laughed too much, but I can't help it. <laughs> and yeah, we have very, very, very exciting new episodes in the works. I guess I'm not going to mm-hmm. say who and what is coming up just yet because I don't know how things are going to time out. But we have very exciting shows coming up. 
that are hitting some of the key ideas and things that we wanted to bring into this show. So we are very excited for that. And as always, a reminder, you can find me as Space Case Sarah on all the social media platforms, or you can go find me on Facebook as Sarah Trewell. I actually have a real name and a last name. I'm not just Space Case Sarah. And <laughs> you can find Kavi as Fun Fact Science. Nope. Yep. Sorry, I almost thought I confused you too. And then Benjamin is science, actually, actually science, depending on which platform you're on. Please go follow us, like our content. Benjamin apparently likes to throw out really testy memes lately, so go find those because the the world is in great disagreement about which way toilets flush. And as always, check out the other stuff on our radio station on iRockspaceRadio.com. We got cool content. We got other content creators and we uh, test <laughs> You guys cannot send me things in the chats like that. <laughs> I am finishing this. I'm done. <laughs> we are the Space Case Sarah Show with Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. You've been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockSpaceRadio.com for more.